Welcome to Game Store Profits, where we talk about God, gaming, and groups. I'm your host, Daniel, along here with the conductor of gaming, Mike Perna. I swear, I've known few men who could make a thesaurus as dangerous as you can. <laughs> hey, man, if we can't use the references, then what are they good for? I got yelled at at the library the other day because the library sold off an English reference. And this lady was like, can you believe it? They sold that book for 25 cents. And I was like, okay, they're going to have to pay $40 to replace it. <laughs> Maybe they don't need to replace it, lady. Anyway, so you got to use your, your, your knowledge in, in references. It's true. It's true. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? I mean, last, last episode we were missing you because you were, you know, hooked up to all sorts of gadgetry. Well, yes, I had a uh, sleep apnea test ran, uh, sleep study, and uh, I'm actually sleeping better than I was from my first study about 14 years ago, but I still need the machine, so I get hooked up on it in about another week um, to see how, how what my settings need to be and things like that, and hopefully I'll get a newer, quieter breathing machine. Well, that's... Well, I always... It's, it's always hard, because I, I look at those machines, and I'm like, wow... You you have to hook up your hook yourself up to that every night, huh? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, the first few days it was horrible, and then finally, when I got used to it, I just slipped the mask on, hit the button, and I go right to sleep. You know, it's just like it's it's almost like taking a sleeping pill now because it just puts me to sleep. Nice. That's yeah. all. That's always a benefit. Oh yeah. Well. As listeners may be noticing, hopefully they're not falling asleep. Uh, <laughs> we are short of Romo because apparently this year, you know, 2017 is the year when there's never a time when all three of us are going to show up. There is always somebody who's going to be stepping out. Apparently, with Mr. Romo being in transition with his new job and stuff, it comes with some responsibilities, especially when his good lady wife is taking his former position. So no, he's he's not teaching or his wife nothing. He's playing D D right now. I know it. I could feel it in my bones. That guy's rolling dice. If anybody was gonna actually, you know, cut out on work to go play D D, it probably would be Romo. But I believe he's actually on the up and up. We can't give him too much crap. Doesn't mean we're not gonna give him any, because we're certainly gonna give him some. But we yeah. should just be a, a lower tier because he has a valid reason for not being here. Yes, yes, I guess. I'll give it to him this week. But next week, he better be here. There you go. So, <laughs> Daniel, what have you been up to lately, my man? Well, I've got a chance to play one of my favorite games from days of yore with a buddy of mine that I've been gaming with for 22 years now. Nice. Um, Blood Bowl, the newer version uh, that was released in 2016. Went over to his house and, uh, we got to play two games worth and, uh, I played Orcs one turn and he played Humans and then we flip flopped it and I lost both games and, uh, but still, it's a great game. I like it how they've lightened the rules up a little bit based off the living rule book and, uh, the, uh, but they're adding it slowly back. So like if you, if you play Blood Bowl and you use the living rule book, you can still use those rules because what they've done is just made a light version and then they keep adding a little bit of supplement information every few months, which brings it back up to the full rules that we've grown to know in the living rule books. So my, my big question is, is when will be, when will the dwarves be available? 
Uh, actually, I looked at them this weekend at the comic shop. They're on the shelves right now. $34 for $35 and some change at my friendly local game store. I won't mention Dwayne's World Comics because that's a self plug. But no, um, he had them on the shelf. 12 doors for um, $35 from Games Workshop. Now, I have a set of dwarfs, not the official ones. They're back from the day when we used to make them out of Games Workshop Fantasy Dwarfs. And we have that, and I just got through painting a minotaur for a dark dwarf team. And uh, so I can just say my dwarfs are dark dwarfs, and I could play with that. And and in the off chance, if you're hearing this and you have no idea what this game is, the short version is, it's if you took football and changed the pads for armor and then allowed players to kill each other. It's real fantasy football is what I say. Yeah. We, uh, it's so funny cause, um, we were playing and his wife comes in and, uh, from work and she's like, what are y'all playing? I was, cause she'd never seen him play it before. I was like, we're playing football. Just, I just lifted that. It's like blood bowl or nothing like that. She says, you're not playing football. And she looked at the pieces and she saw the little ball. And she goes, Oh wow, you guys get your man card back. <laughs> I still say, as much as I love playing dwarves, I don't have I've never had a copy of the physical game, but I have both Blood Bowl one and two for my PC. And I will as much as I love my dwarves, there is something really entertaining about the fact that there are there is an option in this game for a troll to pick up a goblin. And throw him into the end yes. zone. Yep. What's even funnier is when you're doing that, and instead he flubs the roll, and instead of throwing the goblin with the ball into the end zone, he decides he wants to eat the goblin. That is true. That, that happens. It just makes me laugh every time it happens. Yeah. <sighs> I haven't got a chance to do that yet. I've got through painting an ogre for my team as well this week. So <laughs> you've been on a painting a painting spree recently. Well, I just had to repaint um, all the Castle Ravenloft miniatures that I painted over a year ago because it they never cured. Mm. So I, I stripped them and I got through painting those, and then I painted those other miniatures. And I'm getting ready. I just went through the box today and um, cleaned up the ones from uh, Temple of Elemental Evil. And uh, I'm going to start painting those next. And then after that, it's going to be Mice and Mystics. And then I will be officially out of miniatures to paint. Mice and Mystics has some just beautiful... They're, they're simple, but they're beautiful. Yeah, and I think the, the ones I'm going to have the, the best time at painting is the cockroaches. Nice. I just, because I've already envisioned, like, layering a brown down, mixing some darker brown with some gold to get that shimmer on top of that. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be so fun. And I'll use my airbrush for the entire thing. Yes, guys, I am a nerd, and I talk about painting, and I get excited about it. Uh, Daniel, um, I mean... <laughs> You, it's been a number of months now, and, and, and I hate to tell you this, but you're on a podcast that talks about games and then busts out theology. Dude, you don't have to def define the fact that you're a nerd. That already defines it for you. But see, you got to realize you and Jeff are the coolest people in my life. That's terrifying. So, so you guys are hip. <laughs> I, I see you as a cool cat walking down the street. Yeah. Wow. That's that's a thing that just got said and it can't be unsaid. It cannot be unsaid. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Perna, the cool cat of Inroads Ministries. Uh, all right. So tell me, what else have you been playing lately? Has it all been Blood Bowl or is there no, anything else? No, no. We, again, we have family game nights every Friday night. And so this last one was my wife's turn. And as you know, she enjoys classic card games that you can buy at Walmart. And I will have, I do have to say something. Guys, I have to admit this right now. I'm a game snob. And, you know, there's a few of us out there in the world, you know, we dislike Monopoly with passion. Anything that's in a flat rectangular box that you get for $10 at Christmas time, we don't like. The Hasbro long box, my friend. Yes, we do not enjoy this. When we go to the post office, we can't use the cheap game box to ship things in. We have to get a bigger box to ship things. Anyway, so my wife said we're playing Phase 10. I've never played this game in my life. I was like, man, and she knows I don't like it when I don't like a game because I just get quiet and just try to make my way through it. And, you know, with all dignity, I try to muster to play this game. So about five minutes into this game, I realize, whoa, this is a high-level strategy game that little kids can play because my son's playing it. And I was like, this game's kind of fun. I like this game. <laughs> so I started playing this, making my matches, lining my stuff up. Then, you know, as soon as I'd lined it up, I'd start putting cards on other people's stuff, get my points. And it was so much fun. I didn't realize I was making my kids cry. Because <laughs> they were losing. And my my daughter started first. I mean, she was boo-hooting, snot coming out of her nose. I was trying to get a recording of it just to show her friends. She said, what are you going to always skip me? You skip me all the time. All the time. And she was actually talking to her mom. <laughs> she was the one being ruthless about it. And then, and then my son, a few minutes later, starts boohooing and snot dripping. And oh, this is so mean. I can't get this row and you guys are getting it. And I just can't get past five, you know, the levels on mm-hmm. base 10. So, you know, I, I really enjoyed this game. My wife ended up winning, which was, you know, a surprise, but, um, you know, it, it was it was fun. The next night, we had a date night, and we hung out with one of our friends. And he's like, what do you guys want to play? Because he was, like, coming over after we ate to to play games. And I looked at him and said, let's play Face 10. <laughs> and I opted to play my wife's game. And she was like, I, I don't know. We, we I made a monster out of you. I sat there and played it. I was the first one to get the 10 and get it completed, but I lost by 10 points. Because the same turn... My buddy got his 10th row, and he was 10 points less than me, so he won. It just made me sad. But I didn't cry or boo like my children. Now, I do have a question for all the listeners out there in the whole wide world. Do you have kids, and do they play games with you? And how do you get them to quit crying? Please, guys, (laughs) if you know anything, just email me. Email Mike. We will make a topic out of this. I need to know how to get my kids to quit. Even in cooperative games, like Mice and Mystics, we played that on my last game night. My kid, my son just cried. Cried because he got hit, and he needed to be healed. And he was going to be healed on the next turn. He didn't die, but yet he still cried over that. And he's seven years old. And I don't know how to get him past that point of crying over games. See, that's a, that's a hard one because every time talk, people talk about, you know, hurt feelings about a, com- a competitive board game. It's Monopoly. I go, well, yeah. 
but with a competitive game, I understand. I go, no, it's a good thing for kids to learn how to lose and everything like that. But when it's a cooperative game, it's harder to figure out how to fix the issue because, I mean, you're all in it together. You know, you're trying to figure out what to do. I think the biggest thing, oddly enough, it was uh, Derek White Mm -hmm. who recently just got done leading a game retreat. Right. And he was talking about playing games with his kids and everything like that. I saw that that post. And uh, one of the comments he said was is that cooperative games are great because it allows you the opportunity to model how to lose well. Not my kids. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you though, we did in in on our small group night, and I we this past week was a week of games for me. So like our small group, they were like, and this is a big pet peeve of mine is we have five people in my small group. It's me, my wife, my friend Slimp, he's in the tavern, and my buddy Anthony and his wife. So sometimes we go, hey, let's play a game. Instead of, you know, like if we're in between books of the Bible, we say, let's have a down night, eat, and play. So we did this Thursday, have a game night. And so I had to select from my list of games what games we could play and what they would be interested in. Because most games that we have are four, one or one to four players, you know, and so I had to find that fifth. And we ended up on playing Castle Panic, and I did get commented out saying, Daniel, I know you want to win, but please quit telling me how to play the game. <laughs> Castle Panic is definitely, there's definitely potential for alpha gaming in Castle Panic. <laughs> Yeah, but I wasn't the only one doing it. It was my buddy Slimp was doing it as well because me and him have played this together in the past. So, but we did win. We did win. But yeah, it's it's always been a pet peeve on on mine of finding games that are more than five that are not party games. Well, and that it it's hard to do because in you know I've I've often said that pretty much all of my favorite games are either two player card games or four player strategy games. Pretty much across the board, that's the case. It's rare. Occasionally, it'll go up to six. Like, I'm a big fan of the game Citadels, which is, I think it's up to a six or seven player. They do exist, but by and large, you are, when the the larger your player count, the more likely you are to be in the party game kind of aspect of gaming. So... It is, it is a challenge. The, the problem is, is that if you do want to go into the deeper strategy stuff, you're also having a lot more moving parts and a lot more things to balance. And every player you add to that makes it a little bit more unwieldy and hard to, hard to keep within the bounds of a game. But it, it's a valid question. I was, uh, actually happy. I've, I've discovered a, a, a decent larger player count game that's new to the, new to the collection. And it was one of those ones where I'd heard about it and heard about it and never got a chance to play it. Never even saw it on a table. And, uh, I now have my hands on it and I'm, (laughs) I'm, I'm very excited. I have two church game days this weekend. Sweet. And so I'm hoping that, uh, by the time this goes live, uh, I will have all sorts of good things to say about this in the tavern and other places. Uh, it's from the, f- the folks at Smirk and Dagger, and it's called uh-huh. Dead Last. Dead Last, you're, it's fun because it's a, it's a fairly, the, the rounds themselves are fairly quick. Uh, you're all playing, it's another one of those ones, kind of like Cash and Guns, where you're all playing as, as 
you know, not nice people. In this uh, instance, you're basically all like hitmen. And so you're trying to figure out who the target will be for that round. Just looking at the artwork from this kind of reminds me a little bit of Reservoir Dogs because everybody's pointing a gun at somebody else. Oh, and I'm not going to lie. All all the the cards are, you know, they go by the color. So yeah. putting it to Reservoir Dogs is not necessarily wrong. Yeah. And it's really interesting because you're trying to vote for who the target is. And you're allowed to do anything from just walking right up to somebody and whispering into their ear saying, we need to vote for so-and-so. Uh, I was talking to Kurt from Smirk and Dagger, and he was saying that one at one point somebody had, uh, when the one player was distracted, the other player took a picture of them and would point to the picture when that guy was was looking the other way, and was like like this is who we're voting for. <laughs> the book itself says literally there is nothing off the table here. And, I want this game. I want this game now. And so. Everybody votes, and here's how you eliminate people. Obviously, if there's one person that was voted by the most, that person's eliminated from the round. However, if you voted for somebody other than that, so if you voted opposite the the majority, you also are eliminated that round. And then eventually you get this cool little prisoner's dilemma kind of situation if it's down to two people, where because you're you're fighting over gold, basically. And mm. so uh, there's four gold bars in the middle of the of the table, and the the prisoner dilemma situation when there's only two people left is that you can either agree to share it and you each get two gold bars. Uh, you can try to steal it, and there's an opportunity that both of you could end up shooting the other person and nobody gets the gold. Or you can just take one and run away. So even if the other person, if you think the other person's going to try and steal it from you, you can just grab one and run. And you're, you just keep doing this over and over again until I believe it's 25 points, 25 points worth of gold bars. Uh, so it's a, a quick game. It has a, a really solid player count uh, from six to 12. I, I'm very excited to get this out at, at game night because, again, I, I love a good game that has a high player count because so often and I want to be very clear. I love code names. I really <laughs> I really love code names. But I played code names literally in some instances 10 times more than any other game in my collection last year. There comes a point when a brother just wants to play a different game. Yeah, I understand. I mean, it's a good game though, as well. I mean, it'll, it'll handle a lot of people, but just looking at this, I, if it wouldn't, if I could get a lower age range, I could talk my wife into let me buy this game. I mean, it looks that good, guys. I mean, it's like, it, it looks like a really nice game. I, I just like the artwork on it too. That's just amazing. Sorry. Didn't mean to hijack you. And, and I will say I'm very happy because not only did I get this game, but I didn't mention it up front. You probably saw it on, if you follow us on Twitter, on Facebook and all that. Myself, Sean, and one other uh, kind of local volunteer that, that I usually wrangle every time we do a local event, we went to a local convention called Dreamation, uh, put on by the good people at Double Exposure, and that's where I was this past weekend, and uh, I was talking with, with Kurt from Smirk and Dagger, he's, he's one of the big wigs that runs the company, and uh, it was fun because I walked up to him and, and we were just talking about this, that, and the other thing. And I said, yeah, I'm always looking for, you know, high player count game because at our events, there's always that group of people who shows up and all of them want to talk to play together. And it's hard when most games go up to four. 
And he just looked at me. He goes, you run a nonprofit? I go, yeah. He goes, and you play our games? I go, yeah, especially Nevermore and Cutthroat Caverns. And and he just hands me this copy of Dead Last. And he says, he, and he says here. And I said, okay. So uh, you start hanging out with you more. You see, you're so cool. Everybody gives you free stuff. <laughs> I work at it. But there's a couple times tonight that I want to make sure that I cut away because I actually grabbed some audio. It's not like a heavy traffic convention. It's a lot more scheduled game stuff. So I didn't really do a lot of, of grabbing audio, but I do want to give a second because Kurt talked about some awesome games that they have coming up later this year. A lot of stuff coming out at Gen Con. And I, you know, I definitely want to get that to you guys. So let's take a second right now. We'll have a future Mike drop this in and uh, send you guys off to Kurt from Smirk and Dagger to talk about what they've got. Wouldn't it be past Mike? No. Past Mike is me. No, but future Mike, you've already had the convention. Yes, but future Mike's going (laughs) to drop it in. Don't confuse the mics. Don't confuse the mic lore. There's already enough mics in the world. (laughs) Okay. You know, I actually met past Mike once. Interesting fellow. Piloted a brass chrono snipper with retrofitted spectra flanges. It was so very shiny. Anyway, hey all, Future Mike here, on demand to drop in this audio from Dreamation, but I did want to just insert a quick note about Dead Last, as literally I just got done playing it a little bit earlier tonight with a church game group that we were playing with. It's a ton of fun. The ridiculous ways that people choose to subtly or... Not so subtly in some cases, tip off the others who were trying to get everybody to vote for. We were all laughing like idiots because it just got ridiculous in the best of ways. Again, full disclosure, I did receive this copy from the publisher, but regardless of where this came from, I'm going to tell you that I'd happily recommend Dead Last. Now then, here's Kurt to talk a little bit more about the upcoming stuff that Smirk and Dagger has to offer. All right, guys, uh, I'm here with Kurt from Smirk and Dagger. Hey, guys. Which, uh, you know, a, a regularly occurring game at our, our local events is Nevermore. So I was super happy because I actually got to see the expansion mm. with all the characters and everything. But that's just one of the things that we got to talking about. First off, I will say, before we get into anything else, thank you very much for giving us a copy of Dead Last. Oh, you're, you're very welcome. Because we are going to get some serious use out of that. But so, what are some? You got a bunch of stuff here. You got a bunch of stuff. You've been looking at prototypes, all this stuff. What is the stuff that you've got coming out? You had like a bunch of things coming out in August, but yeah. just what all is coming out? Well, let's see. So our uh, our last releases uh, at Gen Con last year were uh, mm-hmm. were both Dead Last and Jacques. But uh, yeah, we've been we've been busy since then, and we've got uh, four games that we have planned for 2017. Uh, three of them will definitely be be printed, and one may be our first Kickstarter. So while it'll most certainly launch this year, uh, whether it actually delivers this year, we'll have to see. Right. But um, so this spring, what we've got is a game uh, called Biotics, and this game is um, it's a small, very casual game where you are a a lab assistant, and you are trying to grow uh, highly volatile microbes in your petri dish, and at the same time, you're trying to sabotage the work of others at the lab. So, um, 
you've got this little graphic petri dish and you're pulling two microbes out of the bag and with those microbes you're either going to put it in your dish for points or in someone else's dish to try to get theirs to overpopulate and explode in some kind of unusual and fun way right um, it might cause you to like um, you know blow up some and then have to take others and put them in other people's dishes, causing potentially chain reactions. Um, or uh, one might bioreact, uh, they destroy themselves, but it now allows you to take two from other people's dish. Lots of different things. So the scores are always like, you know, up and down and all over. The more volatile the microbes are, the more valuable they are at the end of the research day. So while it's really. Uh, it's really nice to want to put that 15-point explosive in your dish. Anyone puts any other explosive in there, it's blowing up and sending three more of yours out of your dish. So, um, But that's uh, that's been uh, a lot of fun. We've been playtesting here, getting a lot of great reactions. It seems very on-brand for you guys, because you guys are all about messing with each with other yes. people. And just, just literally kind of like pushing your luck as far as, like, okay... Do I hold back or do I just go all in and yeah. just make it happen? Yeah, I, I think our our har, our har mall, uh, hold up. Uh, we're really known for uh, take that backstabby games. It's um, something I did starting 14 years ago. Planted the flag, and all of our games have some kind of that that right. really nice vibe to them. Um, but this one, uh, this one is. Um, very light and engaging as it right. relates to that. So um, now the the other one that we've got coming up is kind of a, a little bit of a departure for us because it's not terribly backstabby unless you get really good at the game. Right. Um, and that's called Paramedics. I'm I'm very excited about this one. I told you earlier when we first talked about it. Yeah. Uh, as a guy who's a chaplain of a first aid squad, like this hits home for yeah. me. So. Yeah. And it's um, it is a pulse pounding like crazy high tension game because you only have a certain amount of time to save as many people as you can and you're not going to be able to save them all so you get points for people to save you lose points for people you can't save and you're also you're starting to like triage people and like who can I actually save this round and who am I going to put on someone else's gurney to have be their problem next turn um, but a lot of it is kind of resource management you know trying to buy and pick up the supplies you need to save the guys that are you know need the that's the, those medical supplies right now right um and it's it's delightful. It's it has a digital timer to it, and you know as it starts running down, it's got a heartbeat. You go, beep, 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 yeah. beep. And and you have to before before it runs out, you gotta hit the timer and yell clear. <laughs> I, and I love that you you showed it to us earlier. And I love how when it gets to the end, it's not just like okay, we're play- it starts getting nuts. Like the heartbeat starts going bad. And yeah. there are warning buzzers yeah. going off. <laughs> 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 it does not mess around. So I can only imagine that if, even if, if you're just going around and all of a sudden that that starts that noise starts changing. Yeah. Even if you you thought you were in a good place, you're you're not. You're yeah. already met, like throwing stuff around the table. Yeah, it's great. Um, so uh, that we're looking forward to. That's probably going to be in uh, in August. Mm-hmm. And 
And at that same time, we'll probably have Cutthroat Caverns Expansion 5 ready. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is one of our flagship games that if people you know, know us, they kind of know that game. Right. Um, it's a cooperative backstabbing game in a dungeon. Mm-hmm. You have to work together just to survive. But, but only just enough. But only just enough, because <laughs> it's all about kill stealing. So if I don't land the most killing blows, I'm not going to get the points and win the game either. Um, Expansion 5 is kind of unique in that it really has a a theme behind it. Um, It focuses exclusively on our incarnation-type encounters. Typically, in the past, these have been some of the toughest encounters. Um, And so it's like the incarnation of fear, the incarnation of death. Um, And uh, and here we're going to see all four horsemen... Um, death is is going to be one of the one of the guys you have to face, and he's nasty. Well, I, I know. Uh, again, one of the things we talked about earlier was the fact that my favorite has always been the werebore. Yes, because he's a guy who makes it so that every player can potentially become a werebore. Yes, and you said that death specifically was one that was possibly going to trump the the all high powerful werebore. <laughs> well, so one of the beautiful things about the creatures is. And I love when people put out new ones, mm-hmm. and they, they drop on the table, and if I hear an audible gasp as they read, I'm like, yes! <laughs> so, when death hits the table, um, the first time you see him, let's say he was encounter number four. He's a boss encounter, so he goes booga booga, he does terrible things to you, and then he bottoms to the, the, to the bottom of the encounter deck. You right. have to face him last. Right. And... When he attacks a player, his attack is that he empties your hand the first time. This is just brutal. And so you get one card next turn, and it better be an attack, because if he hits you again without any cards in your hand, mm-hmm. you're dead. Right. No, no damage is done. You're just dead. Yep. Um, so as an end encounter, it's, it's just one of those when it drops, you're like, oh, yeah. no. Really bad things are going to happen really soon. <laughs> yeah, and the other one I was telling you about was uh, was Fortune. Yes, uh, Incarnation of Fortune has a um, a side deck, and it's kind of like a deck of many things. Um, and depending on what orientation you draw that card, you know, top, bottom, you know, whatever type you can actually read on the card when you flip it. Right. It's either going to be a really great effect or a really really bad effect. Yep. And. Um, so it could be as, as you know, you could be a full heal, or it could be you lose half your life points immediately. Yep. Um, and of course, a whole bunch of other things. And the problem, though, is if you're like, oh no, let's totally lay off of those cards. It's not worth it. Right. Well, if you do that, and no one actually exhausts her deck before the end of the game. You have to face her as a creature. And she's mad. And she's mad. <laughs> she gets powered up for every card you did not draw from yeah. her deck. So it's it's a great dynamic. That's absolutely amazing. I know. I'm very excited about this. I'm guessing that since you said August, Gen Con is when we're going to hopefully yeah. see a bunch of this stuff happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, if, if we're lucky, we'll get them in maybe in July. But it's really going to be kind of the, the Gen Con launch. Now, yeah. will, that, will that be uh, just a special for Gen Con? Or, or will it be more of a general launch? Oh, it will be a general launch right okay. at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we do have one other game that I have been trying to get into the... 
I'm trying to figure out how to how to really make it affordable for people to buy. Right. Um, it's a game called Tower of Madness. I'm already in. I'm already into it. Yep. <laughs> it, it may in fact be our first Kickstarter okay. uh, because I think this is one of those games that. When you see it, you understand why. It's it's going to be a challenge to produce, mm-hmm. and I probably will need help a to get it help done. That, yeah, yeah. Um, but imagine in the theater of the mind now mm-hmm. um, a clock tower, a dimensional clock tower about three and a half feet high. Oh wow! Okay, um, and it's got like the little pinnacle and you know the, the, uh, roof. And jutting out of every side of that clock tower are tentacles. Oh, no. And inside the tower are marbles. Okay. Now, have you ever played... Kerplunk, or Kerplunk yeah. yeah. So think about Kerplunk and Cthulhu merging. Oh no! In fact, what it really is, it's it's a push your luck dice game. Okay. So you have to get through thirteen different horrific encounters and locations, mm-hmm. and if you can't complete the dice rolls that are on each of those cards, you know, they're challenges. Right. Um, then is, it, is it kind of like an Elder Sign thing where like, you have to get certain... Kind of like that. It's uh, it'll, it'll remind people of that type of thing, okay. but it's a slightly different formula. It's, okay. It, um, but yes, yeah, so... And if you fail your investigation because you didn't roll correctly... Right. You have to draw a horror from the tower. Any marbles that fall impact you immediately. Oh, wow. There are four different colors of marbles in the tower. So, one of them, a red marble, is madness. Again, you collect four madness, you go insane, you join the game trying to bring Cthulhu. Oh, no. Um, you might draw a spell marble, in which case you get a, you know, a spell card. Uh, you might have gained extra discoveries, and that's points in the game. It could be one of the three Doom Marbles in the tower. There's only three of them. Yes. If the third Doom Marble drops before you complete all your investigations, Cthulhu rises and everyone loses. Of Except course. It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be a Cthulhu game if there wasn't a chance for him to, be, to beat everybody. Correct. And, of course, if you are insane at that time, then you have this brief, shimmering moment before you are before also you're consumed. Eradicated. Yeah. <laughs> However, if you are the insane player that actually causes it by pulling out uh-huh. the, the Doom... You become an exalted, so oh, you wow. can actually win as well. Wow! Um, this it's it's when you walk by, it is such a stunning piece of eye candy. Oh yeah! Um, and the tension of like you know, oh, I gotta pull that thing. Ah, what's gonna fall? <laughs> you know, it's great. So we were, I was just saying with with our guys over the table that table presence is such a big thing when we do our events, just because we're always trying to draw people in who wouldn't necessarily voluntarily want to play a game. Yeah. But when they see this giant thing on the table, they're automatically, at bare minimum, curious as to what it is. Yeah. yeah. So I would imagine that that would pull all sorts of people to the table. Yeah. It, and when I brought out the the prototype, and it's. It's it's not even close to what it's going to actually be, but right. it's still pretty cool to look at. Yeah. Um, it, it just, like, people are just like, you know, what do you have? <laughs> K- 
can I buy your prototype? No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, so is there a, a kind of times table on that, or is it still so early days? Um, well, the truth is, um, when I actually launch, you know, the, the the Kickstarter, I want to not have people wait crazy long. Right. So things that I can do right now, like getting the artwork and some of the mechanicals done, I'm, I'm doing that now. Um, but I'm hoping that we'll be able to launch the Kickstarter in the late spring, just before summer kicks off. Okay. So, so yes, you take a look for it. it. It is going to be quite something. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. Thank you so much, man, for, for sitting down and talking with us. I'm excited to see what you guys are going to put out this year. All right. Hey, great talking with you. Great talking to you. All right. Bye-bye. So... Yeah, those those games I'm I'm really excited about. The one that that really has me interested is the paramedics one because one it's so not Smirk and Dagger's usual fare, but yeah. also because I you know, I'm a chaplain of a volunteer first aid squad, so the idea mm-hmm. of having a game about paramedics trying to to save as many people as possible, that that seems like something I want to be playing and and the board looks cool and everything. I'm I'm very excited about it. That's cool. Kurt wasn't actually the only person I talked to, though. Uh, I also talked with some very cool people, and and I didn't get the chance to talk with them long. They met they met up with us early, but they they were very much not just hanging out at the con. They were also there very intentionally. So I wanted to, to just drop in this little plug for these guys. They're running a, an event, and they they actually run kind of like a, uh, an organization themselves, where they're trying to get people to design games that speak to a kind of civic-minded understanding. So it's the idea that we're trying to figure out how we can live together in a, in a country and a, a situation that is becoming more and more fractured. And I really liked talking to them. They're cool people, and uh, I wanted to give them a shout-out, and I figured I would rather just let them say that than me try to botch it. So I got audio with them. And so you can grab a listen and I will make sure that after you this, yeah, after you listen to all this, that, that, that link will be in the show notes for this episode. So you can definitely check them out and even potentially submit a design for their upcoming event. All right, we haven't even been here that long. We've already got cool people to talk to us. Uh, we've got Josh and Sarah here from Civic Games. Is that what you guys are calling yourselves? Yeah, so we're running a civic games contest, um, and it's really all about um, trying to get people or find people who are it, are already in the process of developing civic games. And civics can be interpreted very broadly, um, thinking about what makes democracy work, what do citizens need to know, and there is one more that Josh is going to tell us. All right. Um, what do citizens know to... Oh, and uh, how can we be co-creators of our shared world? So games can take any form. They can be role-playing games, LARPs. They can be um, card games, board games, any analog games. Um, and they cannot have been produced already. Um, there's more information on Facebook at Civic Games. Um, but it's really, uh, you know, we're hoping to find some really great games. Uh, the three finalists will be brought to a conference in at, called Frontiers of Democracy, which takes place in Boston in June. And it's... Um, like the big civic conference in the U.S. Submissions are due April 15th. Um, We have a a star-studded panel of judges, including Laura Simpson of The Companion's Tale, Jessica Hammer, um, 
Trigve Throntvit, uh, the editor of the, the new editor of the Good Society Journal, um, James Mendez Hodes, Adam Gray, Adam Dre, uh, author of or editor of Carrie, A Game of War. I'm probably missing one. <laughs> anyway, uh, civics are awesome. Democracy is important, and we all need to talk to each other. And playing games is awesome, and we want to do all those things together. Yeah, well, we can certainly, like, we're all about getting people together to play games and, and build relationships, so hopefully, you know, maybe some of you guys who are listening right now will be able to be a part of this if you've got some kind of idea going on, or even if you've got just the bare-bones mechanisms and you want to put a theme on that could, could reach these guys, it'd be awesome. Find them on Facebook. I will be sure to, when, when this episode goes live, I'll be sure to put a link to their Facebook page on that, and uh, I hope you guys have a really good con. Yeah, Thanks. nice to meet you all, virtually. This is awesome. They have candy at their table, I'm just saying. <laughs> we always try to do good by the people who come by. Okay, and there's one last bit of audio. <laughs> there's one last bit of audio. I did I did let Kurt do his thing. I let these guys talk about their awesome event and, and how you can get involved. This one is related to a game that, you, you know, you want to talk about how I get I work hard to get free games when I can. <laughs> and this one, I I I poured my soul out to these guys, <laughs> and I'm only I'm only half kidding, because part of the reason why I got this preview copy, it's not even a full copy, it's a preview copy of this game that's going to be kickstarted in March, and the reason that I got it was at least partly due to the fact that I said, when I was a kid. I grew up in an age when all all the people around me wanted to grow up and be astronauts, firemen, or police officers. Mm -hmm. I discovered really early how much math is involved in being an astronaut. And so I said, forget that noise. I grew up surrounded by cops. And so I knew that 90% of their day was sitting in a car filling out paperwork. And I said, forget that noise. And I grew up with an entire family that were volunteer firemen. So I knew you could be a fireman and something else. <laughs> so what I grew up wanting to be was a carnival barker. I desperately, when I was younger, wanted to be a carnival barker, a.k.a. the guys who would stand up in old-timey circuses and try to get people to come in to see the sideshows or play games or or whatever. Like that, that was my jam. I wanted to be that guy so bad. And I had, I, I developed an almost unnatural love of sideshows and carnival performers. And here comes this game called Barker's Row, where literally every player is playing as a carnival barker, trying to get people to come into their, their particular show at the circus. It's it's the little things I learn about you every day that just make this just more enjoyable. I am a, a beautiful <laughs> and unique snowflake, and you need to appreciate this. I, I I fell in love with this game, the concept of it, because it it harkened back to to young Mike. But the, there's so much other stuff going on with this. When I first saw the preview, I looked at the artwork, and the artwork I I I. I don't have the email in front of me that gives the artist's name, but you know, maybe I'll try very hard to put that in later. This is why you keep me on the payroll, Mike. Uh, anyway, this is Future Mike with a, a quick little update. Uh, the illustrator and graphic designer for this project is, and I'm sorry if I messed this up, Andrea Olgiati. 
I, I really hope I didn't mess up your name because you do phenomenal artwork. Uh, anyway, while I'm here and before, you know, I let Mike go back into gushing about this game, just a real quick thing about the fact that I didn't give the date when I talked about this originally. This Kickstarter is set to go out on March 28th. Definitely expect to hear more from me because holy cow, I love this game. Anyway, back to the guys. Because this artist has created kind of these very cool uh, images that look like it looks like something out of a Hellboy comic. It looks like something that Mike Mignola would put together. Mm-hmm. And each like the game, the copy that I have does not have all the artwork because it's a Kickstarter, and right. so part of getting hype up for the Kickstarter will be to pay for the rest of the artwork. I see there's a meeple, a little meeple yes, part to it. Yes, you get a grandstand that you have to fill up with little meeples, little rubes, as it were. And I, I'm super, I'm super happy about that. Like, your goal is to fill up your grandstand with these little rube meeples. And you do that by collecting sets of cards to purchase attractions. The way it works is that basically every turn you're, you, you take one of three cards that which you don't know the value of it. You only know the type. All right. So there's beasts, oddities, freaks, and wild cards. So in your hand, you have three attraction cards that are also beasts, oddities, and freaks. Mm-hmm. And so the goal is, is that whatever level you're at, everybody starts at four, but you build up all the way to 10. But you have to get that value of whatever the suit is of the attraction you're looking for. So say the game just started, you're at four, and you have what what's one of them? Here, I'll just randomly look at one of the cards. Mr. Volcano. Mr. Volcano is a freak. And so you have to get four freak cards on the on the midway. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're trying to put them out there, but the problem is is that as you're trying to collect them. All the other barkers are also trying to potentially collect those cards too. So you're trying to position yourself so that y- you get the right number of cards on your turn and not theirs. And so you're, you're trying to get each of the suits, but you can't put too many of one suit because then everybody knows you're going for that. So you're trying to, to mix it up and everything like that. And, and each attraction has its own abilities that once you've played them, you have access to this ability that some of them are take all the cards in Barker's row and put them out in the midway. And, and there are some that, that just do crazy things like, like lower the, it, it's a strongman board. And so you lower it. So you only have to do less. You have to gather less cards of a particular suit to get an attraction. Like there's all sorts of crazy stuff that's going on. And it's, it's all this old school freak show. Uh, entertainment, like one of the one of the the cards that actually does have the artwork is Lobster Boy, and Lobster Boy was actually a Barnum and Bailey uh, sideshow performer, and so you get all sorts of stuff, and and it's cool because it it brings in like legit sideshow stuff, right? Like the history of it is in these cards, as well as some ridiculous things like the Werewalrus. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a thing. But uh, uh, the coolest thing about it for me, and the thing that really, I mean, it's an, it's a good game. It's a solid game regardless of theme. I'll just put that out there right now. And again, full disclosure, they did send me this preview, but I'm just going to tell you that it's a solid little game. It's not like a world-changing thing, 
probably it would be lower on my on my radar if it wasn't for the fact that this theme is really special to me. But it's still a really neat little game. The thing that really makes this and makes this a fun experience for me yeah. is not only do you have the 3D element of the grandstands and the cool artwork on the cards, but in, once you play an attraction, once you've gathered all the cards you need to play an mm-hmm. attraction, you are then supposed to actually bark for the attraction. Every card that you've used to play that attraction has a word on it. Things like eerie or fascinating or, or, you know, awe inspiring. And so you literally have to read off all the words you used to play that attraction. Oh my goodness. That does sound a little bit fun. We were sitting there and, and it was funny too, because I had to, to bust on Sean because he kept forgetting to do it. And I go, you're missing out on the best part of this game because you're literally sitting there and you have to say, ladies and gentlemen, I bring your attention to what we have inside the tent here when you have, you know, and, and it, it, I'm just, I loved every moment of this. <laughs> I I was eating it up, and I I do think that th- that the game would be somehow lacking if it was any other theme. If they didn't make you do that, it would just be okay. But with this theme and with this element, all you need to do is get an old school ham like myself, <laughs> and and this game becomes even entertaining to watch or to be in the presence of because you're just seeing these. Absolutely ridiculous things. And, and I, yeah, I, I love it. The Kickstarter, I'll probably end up being, I'll probably end up writing something for our site. Uh, not only because of the fact that I want to do right by these guys who sent us this game, but also because this idea of the place of the freak show, like I said, almost unnatural love of this stuff. But the idea of of bringing people who who don't have a place and giving them a place and making them feel not not only okay but but special and beautiful, like I'm probably going to end up writing something on the site for it. <laughs> but it's okay. No, I, I, I'm I'm downright giddy with this game. It, it, I was hopeful when I heard about it, and I've only got now that I've actually gotten a physical copy. Even with this, the fact that it doesn't have all the artwork and the fact that they're going to do things like. Uh, like they're not going to have a lot of stretch goals, they've said, but they're going to like make the the strongman thing a lot nicer and everything like that. I'm probably going to end up trying to squeeze together some pennies to to find a full copy of this game. Like even with the preview copy in my hands, I'm still going to want to try and get this. Like that's how much I enjoyed it. You could always tell your wife, like, listen, this is what I always wanted to do as a child. Let me live out my dream. She's well aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you could still do this as a job. Oh well, I always, I, I, I always told her. She goes, she goes, you kind of, you kind of do do that. I go, yep, I'm barking for Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you be careful. I'm gonna put that on a t-shirt. I'm barking, I'm for, barking Jesus. for Jesus. <laughs> hey, hey, no fooling. My senior year of college, I had to do a senior sermon, and my senior sermon was talking about the fact. That that I wanted to be a carnival barker when I was a kid. I even had a I even had a straw hat and a bamboo cane. Like I was I was all in. But uh, it was fun too because I got to play it with with Sean and Jeremy. That's good. And uh, the last bit of audio from from Dreamation that I have is actually uh, us at our table 
talking about playing it. So you've heard my talking about it and heard what I think. You're going to hear me interject a few more things in there too, but I'm not the only one who enjoyed this. I'm not the only one planning on picking it up. Both Sean and Jeremy, to give you a little teaser, both of them have nice things to say about this game too. So we will cut to that audio as well. So I have got the the entirety of the uh, Inroads Ministries Dreamation team with me. Uh, for those of you playing at home, uh, how about gentlemen? How about you introduce yourselves? I'm Sean. I'm Jeremy. And neither of these guys have ever been on the podcast before, so this nope. is an exciting moment. Uh, but we also just got done playing a handful of games of Barker's Row, uh, the preview game that they got that we got sent, and and the game that makes Little Mike super excited. Uh, my inner child is screaming with how awesome this is. Uh, but I kind of gave away my my initial reaction, but. Guys, how about you guys take take some time to share what when 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 I first put the game on the table, what you thought, and then after playing it, what what did you think? Um, when I, you're welcome. Uh, when I first uh, saw it, I thought it was going to be one of those like trick taking style of like I'm going to hate games. <laughs> but after we started playing a little bit, and after the you started seeing it go, I st- really started enjoying it. It's um, I like the. Uh, I guess gameplay, not the gameplay, but the theme of it. The theme? The theme comes through really well. Yeah. Jeremy, how about you? Yeah, the I thought it was cool how the theme really fit, like, the mechanic of the game. Like, yeah. just, like, what you're actually doing by trying to get the attractions and getting people to come. They made it They made it work really well for doing that, and it's really fun. All right, so because of the fact that these cards are full of the most ridiculous things ever, uh, I, I still think... Name-wise, I don't know about ability-wise, but name-wise, my favorite had to be the Werewalrus. The Werewalrus was cool. Was there any card that you played and you're like, oh my goodness, I always want to play this forever and for always? Oh. Even if you don't remember the name of it, just the ability of what it did. Uh, the one where you got to uh, draw out the five cards and then put three out and then automatically score something was awesome. Yeah, the likelihood that you're going to score something by adding five cards automatically is pretty significant. Yeah. Jeremy, what, was there anything that stuck out to you? I think one of the ones that I discarded was called Living Tyrannosaurus or Living Dinosaur <laughs> or something along those lines. Yeah, we didn't see that one. So, yeah. I, I don't remember the ability, but it that It doesn't matter. Just it's, the name. It's Living Tyrannosaurus. You don't even need to know what it does. I think my favorite, because it, it literally made me draw a breath and be like, oh my goodness, I, I want to play this now, is uh, Ancient Mummy. Ancient because normally when you play one of your attractions, you do its ability, it gets retired, and you can't do it again. Ancient Mummy basically says, yeah, one of your retired attractions, bring that crap back. That's going to get a second showing. <laughs> and I could just imagine the craziness that that would do. Especially with the, you got the one where you can score one, then you play that, and then you score it again with the five cards sticking out there. That'd be, oh, yeah. That would be insane. Yeah, no, that would be insane. What do you think, like, this is a preview, like, literally, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, that isn't part of the game yet, like, there's a lot of artwork that's missing, but based on this preview, what's one thing that you hope they might tweak or add or or something that you're looking forward to being in the real, the full game? And uh, is there anything that you would kind of want to see fixed? That's... Um, I know, I'm dropping the hard ones on you. That's a hard one because it was actually a really good game. I mean, the artwork was phenomenal. The um, 
I, I said I said in, in one of my posts when I first got the game out of the box was that you know you're in a good place when the the only complaint you have about the components is man I really wish the rest of the artwork was here. Yeah, that was the first thing I thought. Yeah, honestly, because uh, what was the one we had that didn't have the artwork on it? There was a lot of them. They don't have a lot of artwork. It was ready. like a where well the where walrus. The where walrus. Yeah. I mean, let's see what a where walrus. Whatever it is. I had, I had one called the the what's it called the the twin blade twins. <laughs> like I. I want to see what those look like. Are they got blades for hands or something? I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. But, uh, yeah, I would definitely say that. It, in, you, in your guys' opinion, after playing a handful of games here, is there anything that you'd add to this? Or is it... Like, I know for me, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm pretty confident that this is ready to go. Like, after as we were playing, I was just looking at this going, can't it be March and can't I get this full game? I think there's one thing I would like to see it in. One of those big megaphones that you can just get an actual <laughs> megaphone. Yeah, because one of the one of the the actual like parts of the game is that when you get all these cards with all these uh, adjectives on them, you're supposed to to say all of them like you're actually barking yeah. for that attraction. So the idea that you could actually get a little megaphone to, <laughs> to make that loud and ridiculous, I, I don't think that's economically feasible. But I tell no, you what, and I would. Probably wouldn't fit in the box, but it's but I would totally. I, I think I think a microphone get like a Mister microphone in the box. Maybe like an expansion. It's just a megaphone. Just a megaphone with like a special card or something. Yeah, you get a couple cards too with like uh, you know some more oddities and some more maybe new. I would say new. Suit, right, but yeah. Well, I I I don't know about you guys, but like let's let's put aside the fact that we're all poor men. Let's put that aside. Say we have this money. This Kickstarter comes out in March. After playing this, if you if you could automatically say you have the funds to do it, would you be getting this Kickstarter and why? I'm already going to start looking for it on Kickstarter. <laughs> I think I would buy it. I, I got my um, allotment ready for it, so we're ready to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm super looking forward to seeing all the, the cool artwork. This game is already good in a good place, and uh, yeah, I'm super excited about it. I'm so glad we got to play it here at, the, at Dreamation. And uh, hopefully we'll get to play it some more, and you'll probably be seeing it on more stuff on the site, too. Yeah, I'd like to see how it plays with four players. Yeah, we haven't done it with four yet. We did it with two, two, and we did it with three. And two was a lot different, because it was... You could see where everybody was going with two. Right. You can kind of read the crowd, as it were. All right. All right. All right. I I love this game so much. (laughs) I really really do. I, I really... Really do. I'm surprised at how much I I knew I'd like it. Now you see how I feel with Phase Ten. I it hurts me a little <laughs> bit that you're equating this with Phase Ten. It hurts me just but, a little bit. But but Phase Ten's like a diamond in the rough. Oh, it's rough. All right. Oh, it's rough. <laughs> I do kind of want to talk about just the the convention in general and i think you know i know you you weren't there because you were at home in tennessee yes but pregnant family yes but i i do think it'll be interesting i think you'll i at least i hope that you'll have some things to say about this aspect of it uh it was really cool because this whole thing kind of came together last minute it was last month that as a board, we kind of sat down and said, hey, we could go to Origins or we could go to like four different local conventions. Right. And we said, you know, 
as nice as it would be to Origins between the cost and the time and all that, we could hit all these local conventions. So it was a very short turnaround between that decision and Dreamation, like a matter of weeks. And so when I reached out to the, the people leading this convention, I said, look, I said, here we're in Rhodes Ministries. This is what we do. We're uh, a Christian organization. I don't know if that's going to mean anything, like bad or good. But all we want to do is just hang out, play games. And here's the thing. We're here. We want to serve you guys. So if you guys who are running the convention, if there's anything you need us to do that would help you, we want to do that. We want to we want to serve the attendees and we want to serve the volunteers and the staff. Well, apparently, that was like some of the best things I could have ever said ever. Because I get an email back saying saying, "Oh my goodness, please, we're short people this year and we need help." And so I said, "Absolutely." And I I basically said, you know, we're happy to to do whatever you need. And she said, should we could use some help with registration, but I don't know. And I said, do you need help running board games? Because that's our shtick. We can do role-playing games as well, but like it's not our shtick. I'm just kidding, it is our <laughs> shtick, guys. But but board games is is kind of what we were planning on being there for. And she said, absolutely. I sent her a link to my BGG page. I said, this is what I've got. I pretty much know how to play everything on that list. Let me know what you need. Before I knew it, I had a full schedule. I had, I had Sean and Jeremy going up to them and, and both of them, neither one of them. Well, no, Jeremy had one game scheduled and Sean was just there. Uh, and he, he just made himself available. Right. And it was great because by the time the convention was over, like I said, it was a more scheduled kind of thing. Because of the way they run things, it's, it's more like this is games happening, this game's happening, this game's happening, whatever. So there wasn't a lot of random foot traffic, but every conversation we had was, was this incredibly powerful kind of stuff. And it was fun by the end of the weekend. I ended up talking with a bunch of people who were running the convention, a bunch of the staff from Double Exposure and. Each one of them that I talked to was like, oh, my goodness, are you guys coming back for Dexcon, which is another convention they run? Oh, my goodness, are you guys coming back next year? I ended up having a, a fun conversation with one of them because apparently when we weren't there, uh, I got asked to run Commissioned mm-hmm. uh, from our friends over at Car Games, Pat Lysite. I got asked to run Commissioned. And I was talking to a guy there, and he goes, he goes normally, I'm the guy running Commissioned. And he goes, it's always funny to me because I'm not a Christian. But I love this game. And we had this cool moment where I said, I said, look, you know, yeah, I definitely, I love the fact that it invites people into the, into the discussion rather than force them into it. It says, you know, we're looking at the history of it, but there's more to it. There's more to the story than this. And if you want to know, we can talk. And I, I'm having this conversation with him. He goes, he goes, yeah, no, I really appreciate that. Like it, it, it allows people. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, that's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And it was really cool because before I knew it, we were getting things like, like I said in a previous podcast, I really wish we could have done something Sunday morning. That was their idea. Uh-huh. It was their idea to let us do something faith-based on Sunday morning. That's cool. We didn't ask for that. They asked us if we wanted to do it. And I promise you, come Dexcon, come Dreamation next year. I don't know if we'll be able to get a team together for Metatopia, but if we can, I'll go there too, which is a third one that they run. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm super excited about the ability just to have those conversations and be a good witness. You know, I, 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 there's a lot of stuff that comes along with that kind of phrasing, but it, it's that idea that literally we just showed up to hang out and play games with people. That's what we do. It's what we do. And the opportunity to be able to see that in the context of this convention and to, to be able to so directly bless the people that were running the show. Yeah. It was, it was cool because it just reminded me of the power of that. Just like we were talking with that, that guy who, who is on the staff to be able to say, we're here to invite you into this conversation. We're here to show you that we're here. I was having these great conversations about commissioned and it was fun too. Cause the one guy, I, uh, the guy who ended up playing with me who had signed up to play. He ended up use the way the, the, the convention works was that you, you know, for every game you play slash and slash win, um, mm-hmm. you get points and you can use those right. points to kind of get games. By the time we were done playing commissioned, he had already called up his daughter saying, I, I want you to spend my points on commissioned. And he was talking about how he wanted to play it with his pastor. <laughs> and, uh, it was fun because we were having all these conversations and some of them, some of them were Christian. Some of them weren't. Yeah. But in every time it was just the idea that this is what we do. And I want to be clear, you know, there's, there's value in this that, that we hold. And, and, you know, I believe that, that God is everything he says he is and all that. And I had these really cool gospel moments with folks but none of it there was never a moment and it's funny because whenever i talked to church folks there was like how 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 are you guys received at these conventions <laughs> like like are 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 you ever given a hard time and and to have these great conversations with people simply because rather than tell them you know you know this is the way it is and you need to get right with jesus you know i just invited them in are you telling me you didn't give them the romans road Oh, sweet Lord, no. <laughs> and I'm having these these moments, again, because it's all about, I'm here for you, and I'm here with you. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, that little preposition is, a, is an important thing. I'm here with you, and I'm here for you. Because every one of those staff members knew that my guys were there for them. Right. That if they needed us, every one of us was given the instruction. We're here for whatever you need us. They had a GM disappear. And I sent both. I, I said, I said, I'm already scheduled, but I sent Sean. I sent Jeremy. I said, if the, if either of these guys know a game that you need help with, they're here for you. Right. And it turned out that they didn't know any of the games they needed. Mostly because they were newer titles. They were stuff that, yeah. you know, People didn't get, you know, eat, the likelihood that they were going to get their hands on it was not high. Yeah. But just that idea of, of we're here to help you fill in the gaps and to make this show awesome and to make this experience awesome for everybody. To me, that had so much more power for sharing the gospel, for opening up that opportunity. Because a lot of what we ended up doing was it was sharing the gospel without intending on sharing the gospel. If that like, we're all about intention, obviously it's it's on everything we do. Everything we talk about is being intentional, but our intention was 
to connect with people. I mean, that's, that our attention should always be to minister to people. And connecting is part of it. I mean, but what I mean by ministering is not going out and, you know, delivering the gospel as saying, yeah, you're going to hell, you know, you, you need to get saved, blah, 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 blah. It's to go out and do things for them that they require doing. If that's the feeding, if that's the washing their feet, if that's the, you know, buying them some clothes or spending some time with them, that's pretty much what we're supposed to do. There's so much that be- that can be done with the invitation that we're just completely blind to as a church. We just don't see it. I pre- I'm pretty confident that any church has the opportunity to screw that up because I've seen us do it. And yes, I'm saying us. I, I've been just as guilty of it as anybody else of just complete, Me too. yeah, just completely being ignorant of the stuff that is literally on our doorsteps. And it's great when we care about all this stuff that's that's going on everywhere, and we should care about all the stuff that's happening all over the world. But we shouldn't care about that to the detriment of what's happening here too. There's a beautiful thing about the whole body of Christ. I know awesome people who are doing amazing things overseas. I know awesome people who are doing stuff on the other side of the country. I think as a people, we need to be constantly praying that God would show us what's right here. It's not an either or, it's a both and. And I think we really, as a people, need to be praying that God opens our eyes to see what's right here. Whew. <laughs> I, you know, I, I got my it, preach on. That's all right. That's all right. Sometimes it has to happen. You, you know, you were saying to open your eyes to what's right here. See, one of the things before I got involved in this ministry was I was always like, well, we could move to Colorado or we could move over here and do, do stuff over here with these people because I know these people and they're doing good stuff over here. But now I'm like, hey, what can we do here? You know, what can we do in my community uh, instead of thinking about other communities like that? And that's that's one of the things that God's opened my eyes on here in the last year or so of what I can do here. You know, I was even like, hey, let's move to Jersey and help Mike up there. And I, I and know I'd love it. Just because, like, I don't want to live in Jersey, Daniel. <laughs> as much so, as I love my state, I can totally understand that. <laughs> but no, but yeah, the... Um, but it, it took a long time for me to get to that point because that whole concept of grass is greener on the other side of, you know, going to Nicaragua. I was like, Jessica, what if we moved to Nicaragua? Cause they need people down there like us to help. And, and, you know, she's always been my anchor to say, no, Daniel, we got work to do here. Find your work to do here. Yeah. It, it was a really interesting conversation I had in seminary was with uh, a woman who is now in Beirut. And so not even like somewhere just overseas, literally in a place where she is posted about how she's heard gunshots in the middle of the night. Yeah. She always knew that she was destined to go somewhere else that she honestly felt that if, if she was still in this country after school, Mm -hmm. that she would be outside of God's will for her life. Right. And I, I walked up to her the same way. I said, look, I love going overseas. I've been. 
It, right. It's a great experience and I love doing it. But for me, my calling has always been local. It's always been where I'm planted and it's always been to reach the people that I'm surrounded by. And I, at first she goes, she goes, I can't, you know, I can't imagine that. And, and I got really annoyed sometimes because in seminary you'd bring in missionaries and some of them were all like, if you're not going outside of this country, if you're not leaving this country, you're outside of God's will. And I said, no, because both of us are very necessary. Right. Well, I mean, in, in, and I'll do this is one of the largest Christian churches is located in South Korea. And it, you know, almost every day they pack a stadium just to pray for the United States. Right. And, and there's a lot of work to do here. It's in, it, and, and a lot of people just don't realize it because they, they just don't want to look. Yeah. And again, I, I think it all comes down to that opportunity to just invite people in. Yeah. To invite people into the conversation, not to overtake the conversation, not to make it even a debate or or a lesson that that you know that needs to be taught to these people. Right. But an invitation to understand and to experience what we know. An opportunity to to step into it and and to let them be the one to step first. To not drag them kicking and screaming, but to let them step into it and experience it. And it, it changes our mindset because our mindset is not to, to, to hunt down and get like a trophy. Right. It, you, you become less, oddly enough, you become less like a, I don't know. I, I just have this, uh, this hunter mentality of going out and, and bringing them home. Yeah. Well, I mean, in Nicaragua, we've, you know, I, I, I would go there every year for a long time and it got to the end of the day. We were comparing numbers. Like I led eighteen people to Christ today before lunch. It's about well, I led twenty, you know, and and you just got to be like numbers to us, yeah. and it wasn't it wasn't healthy at all for us because mission trips are about you. It's not about you're doing work, but you're changing every trip you would go on, and and when you're doing stuff like comparing numbers and racing with your friends to see how many people you could lead to Christ, were you truly being kingdom minded about it? Right. So, and and oddly enough, this whole idea is it's fun because I'm I'm bringing it back. You end up becoming a carnival barker. Yep. Because because your goal is not to grab them and pull them in. It's to let them know what they'll find when they walk in yeah. and let them be the one to decide whether or not they're going to step in. It's, it's, it's being the person who grabs the attention and, and invites them to, to participate with you. And so, yeah, I, I can say that I'm a carnival, I'm a carnival barker for Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. We need that. We do need that. I'm a barker for I'm Jesus. I'm a barker for Jesus. Yeah. And I have a buddy whose last name is Barker. I'd have to buy it for him. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right, folks. Uh, like I said, there's, uh, I, I will put the, the Facebook page and the, the link to the event for the civics gaming people. Uh, if, if that's something that's interesting to you, I really hope you'll check them out. Their event sounds really interesting. They're super sweet people. Go check them out. 
Daniel, what have you got coming up? Uh, well, um, on the 18th of March, I do have a um, game day locally here, at, and I need prayers, people. I really need prayers on this one. It's going to be our first one at our public library, and uh, we have a big conference room. They're setting tables up for us. But our library is a hangout for homeless people because they do provide free internet and they prefer f- provide power so they can power the devices. And what my plans are doing is getting food and drinks and then having my guys go out and say, hey, you want to come back here and play games with us? We got food. And just invite people in there and just fellowship with them. Just to to be there for them while they eat and drink and listen to them while we play games together. And, and that that's what I need prayer for right now. And also, we're starting some, uh, some Bible studies at our church. And uh, one of them is on Wednesday nights. And the pastor's like, well, we don't have any, any child care. So you need to take that into account before you sign up for this uh, Bible study. Well, I, I went up to the pastor after that and said, listen, me and my daughter, We'll watch the kids for people. I, I feel that they need to come to this Bible study. So just let them know that there will be childcare there. And what me and my daughter are planning on doing, if there's no infants, we plan on playing with them. Nice. Playing games with these children. And, you know, I've got a small collection of children's games that I can run up there and just like, let's play this, you know, and, and get them going. And if not, I can, if it's nice outside, I'll take them into the park a lot and we can play games out there. But just pray for us on that. So. That's my my big prayers I need right now, guys. And things I have coming up. Sorry, I didn't mean to turn this into a prayer request. No, I I think it's valid. I I think that it's important. You know, it'll kind of lead me into my thing. We're in the process. I I, I kind of talked about it last time, but we're in the process of of me starting a podcast for – it's just a solo podcast in between the weeks that that GSP comes up. And it's going to be more of a – Instead of making the turn, it's literally going to be the turn. It's going to be me yeah. discussing a, either a Bible passage or, you know, a theology of play topic that, you know, either I haven't written up yet or am in the process of writing up. Just something that's more driven entirely by understanding the Christian life or prayer or whatever, all that stuff. I, I'm still working on a title. And if you guys want to contribute to that, you can. I will gladly take. Uh, any suggestions that you have, though I did come up with something that I kind of enjoy and I did, I did knock up a little logo for it. Uh, it, I'm, I'm tempted to call it the Barden Bible po- podcast, uh, partly because I wanted to be an homage to the, the inklings who would hang out in the pub where the inklings would hang out that they would call, uh, the burden baby. Uh, it's called the eagle and the child, but they just call it the burden baby. So I wanted to call it the Barden Bible. It, whether that ends up being the name of it or anything like that, within the next, probably within the next couple of weeks, definitely within the month, uh, I'm going to launch that so you guys can be uh, just praying for that. Because I don't, I, I want it to be received well. And when I suggested it in the first place, a bunch of y'all said that you wanted to listen to it. So uh, hopefully that's going to be good and it's going to. Uh, not only just engage you guys, but also just get more stuff out there for us. We've got the Numenera game that's going to be continuing. I just put up se- uh, the second half of session one. And uh, 
yeah, I, I also can can say this. Uh, I'll be making more announcements of it when it becomes closer to it. Uh, I've actually been asked to participate in a conference that the guys over at Game Church are putting on. Uh, they are putting in an East Coast rendition of what they refer to as the Academy. Uh, and I've been asked to be a speaker to talk about tabletop gaming min- ministry. And so, uh, like I said, I will be putting out more stuff on that as it becomes closer to the actual date. But later this year, you can come and meet me. I know there's already a handful of regulars who have said they're excited to actually get to like shake hands with me. And that's kind of humbling because, you know, I shake hands with people all the time and I never thought of it as any kind of spiritual experience. <laughs> but, well, you know, that, that Gen Con I did meet you at was a highlight of my life. <laughs> you need to get out more. Because you're the cool guy. All right. I think that's the perfect time to wrap <laughs> things up. Uh Super happy that you guys are here. But make sure you hang out at the tavern. Make sure you, you can check us out on BGG, uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, and all the other places that people hang out. And always remember, God is the game master. No matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.